Uh, where's my pipe? Uh, here it is. Where's my hagger? Uh... <coughs> Whoa, I'm seeing fucking camels spinning around my head. Ah, welcome to Conan's Masterpiece Theater. Ooh, it's a little drafty here in my castle. Let me throw another witch on the fire. Come here, witch. Ah, that's is much better. Welcome, this is the first installment of the Spyrokin theme month series. Now, there are a couple different things this month. We will be reviewing movies based on their theme. And this month's theme is muscles and swords and sorcery. And also, the dodecahedron rules do not apply this month. We will be rolling, and there will be blood. No, there will be multiple films. There will not be any co-host choice or host choice or roll again. Just more movies for you. Now, this movie we will be reviewing is called... Hey, what is that sound? You cannot censor... Alright, you're really pissing me off now. Into the fire with you. Ah, what the hell? I forgot what I was talking about. Just, just listen. My lord, it has been over a decade since your knights have left to search for the grail. Merlin is still missing, and your sword is still stuck in a stone. What could we do? It is hopeless. This podcast contains adult language and a pestilence upon the land. It contains dragon's breath, knights in shiny armor, the sword Excalibur, magicians, an incest-born mongoloid bastard, and a wizard with homoerotic intent. My lord, it is I, Sir Percival. I've searched the lands and gone through many trials and tribulations, but I have found it, the cup of our lord, the Holy Grail. Drink, and you will be king once again. The king's back, baby. I'm back. I'm back again. Listener discretion is advised.
episode 29. Camelot! 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 The king slept with his sister. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spyrokin Movie Review. This is your host, Zan. And this is your co-host, Deke. Yes, and this is our first episode, our first installment of the month of sword sorcery and sweaty shirtless guys. Yes. Yeah, so you can guess we're in for a lot of blood, guts, arrows, and mystical, magical, mumbly-jumbly. I love that. I love mystical, magical, mumbly-jumbly. That's my favorite part about swords and sorcery. Yes, it is. It's the best part, because all of the magic... The voodoo that you do. Of course. But, oh, wait, that's for another episode. <laughs> Actually, that, would that movie be swords and sorcery? It has magic. Uh, it has a fight sequence at the end of the movie. Wait, uh, I was kind of, I was kind of ripping off of uh, the Mel Brooks movie, Blazing Saddles. But either way, we're getting off topic. So just a little bit. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Spark Inside that provides information reviews about movies. Every episode, we'll review a title. We'll talk about it. We'll tell you what the story's about, what the characters are like, how the acting is, cinematography, all this other blah 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 blah, and if it's worth watching or not. Now, if it's a movie before. Five years ago, we'll spoil the shit out of it. Otherwise, we'll try to not spoil as much as we can. We may inadvertently spoil shit, though. Yeah, inadvertently, but I mean, that's part of the risk of listening to a podcast about a movie you've never seen, is that shit may slip. And sometimes people, they think, oh, this movie's gonna be bad, and they hear from another person, hey, this movie isn't that bad, there's some good things about it. And that's what we're here for. We kind of give you a little bit of a different view on things. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like the devil on your left shoulder and the angel on your right shoulder, but we're somewhere in the middle. Yes. On the other hand, our sister podcast, the Spirekin Manga Review, we're more like the authoritative person saying, this is what you should read, because if, if it's bad, it's shit. If it's good, it's good. And you should listen to us, because we know what we're talking about. We've been doing this for two years. Yes, and, you know, you can always threaten them. If you, if you read this, I will pop out your eyeball and fuck the hole in your skull. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's of, pretty of course, awful. of course, of course. Uh, I should say that one. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens. So you can check us out at www.spirekin.com. Email us at sparkinmovie at gmail.com or Twitter under sparkinmovie. Yeah. Or you can always check out the forums at sparkin.darkbb.com. Which is currently the dark ages for some odd reason. I know. It was popping for like a hot minute there. Like everybody was coming. And now I feel like totally rejected. Even Big Rick left us. I thought he'd be well, sending porn to our inboxes every day. Well, but. since it is Valentine's Day, I think he's trying to get lucky. And he's trying to probably clean himself up. He's probably shaved and lost three pounds. And he's like, hey, baby, uh... And nothing says I love you like a rag soaked in chloroform. <laughs> yes, next week actually is our Valentine's Day episode, and we're going to be doing a violent, sweaty man movie. Yes, because nothing says I love you like muscly men. Exactly. <laughs> Ex- exactly. That just sounds, that came out really wrong. Yeah, no, that was awful. Uh, just disregard that. I, I swear to you, I'm straight. <laughs> Of course, of course. <laughs> now, Corrado, on the other hand... Hey! But, uh, we've heard he's doing better. He's still on vacation, of course. He's in a happy place, rocking back and forth. Yes. Preferably on a beach, in his own mm. mind. So, we should get on with the topic at hand, but... Unfortunately, we are not doing any email today, oh, okay. because there is nothing in the mailbox. Why is there nothing in the mailbox? We put our blood, sweat, and tears, and personal lives on the line to deliver you such great commentary... At least let us know how you feel about it, and if you do, we will read it on air, we promise you. We always do, and leave us a voicemail at 206-350-8462, and we'll play it on air. And please, I don't want to hear any more of these... Hello, Mr. Jefferson, this is Mutual Liberty. We're here to talk to you about your insurance. 
it's like, hey, my name is not Santos L. Halper, and I didn't order anything from this online magazine website. And no, I did not order any packages that were sent in a discreet brown paper bag that are questionable items, which is an <laughs> unmarked saying from a video store which we've never heard of. <laughs> With a side order of latex gloves and petroleum jelly. And no, I'm not using name brands for a reason. Literally, it's marked petroleum jelly. Oh, like the stuff you get at the dollar store. Yeah, the cheap shit. But do you think that's what they use to shine up their armor in this movie? Uh, I don't know. It's either that or <laughs> the actual stagehand spit. So, without further ado, we're, it's, we should get just right into it, because there is no news, there's no emails. There's no news, nobody loves us, so we gotta get right into this movie. This movie is, according to Roger Ebert, it's a wonderful vision and a mess. Well, it's, it's only a mess because of all the fucking mud and blood and bodily fluids being spilled out by everyone at all times. Well, like an edited version and an unedited version. It's oh, the, shit. Wow, they cut out a lot of movie on the edited cut. That's cr- probably for TV, though. That's, yeah, the sex and the boobs and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was directed by John Borman, who has done many unusual things in films we've never heard of. Actually, that would explain a lot. Yeah, he did. He also did Zardos with Sean Connery, where he wrote a red diaper. Can't say that I saw that movie. Uh, He's actually still working. I'm surprised this guy's still alive. He's done a lot of movies with a lot of homoeroticism in it. Yeah, not too much. But anyway, this this movie is uh, a little gem from actually was from the year I was born. uh, Before I was born, obviously, but it was when I was born. It was released by Orion Pictures and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It's starring. Nigel Terry, who... What the hell has he done besides this? That I don't know. He's a Shakespearean actor, and he was in Troy. And then, of course, there's Helen Mirren. Ooh, one of my favorite all-time sexy hot babes of the screen. Then you have Nicole Williamson, who I think gets MVP of this movie. Oh, absolutely. And then Gabriel Burns is in this. Patrick Stewart. Keith Buckley. Michael Clay. Uh, oh, uh, did you say Liam Neeson? Yes, Liam Neeson is in this film also. As a drunkard. <laughs> He's pretty shit-faced. And a bunch of other people who are useless in this movie. Yes, it doesn't matter because they're probably all dead. Well, hmm. maybe not dead, but their careers certainly are. Well, most of them were theater actors, I think. It makes sense. Uh, it's, a, you know, obviously. Well, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about the remake of the ancient book Le Muerte de Arthur, and this is Excalibur. Le Muerte de Arthur, which was written by Sir Thomas Mallory, was a collection of stories. They were actually books that were written. It's a French series. If you take any old English myth class, which I took back in the Dark Ages, apparently now, (laughs) this is over ten years. Well, yeah, it's it's the Dark Ages in the, in the time period as well. Yes, it's a collection of stories about how King Uther seduced Lady Egwene to give birth to Arthur, and then all the shit that happened in between until his death. How Camelot rose, Camelot fell, and so on and so forth. And this movie is... A, it's a more condensed version of this concept. Yes. Yeah, the movie, is, it's, it's told... 
similar to the way that the book was written, which is in multiple stories. It's almost like the Bible, actually, if you think about it. The Bible is a collection of little stories. That's what this movie is, and it kind of translates pretty well in that respect. It's an interpretation of the legend in such a way that it could be viewed in that way, because it's multiple chapters, multiple little stories that build together, and you can watch it in yeah. pieces, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and the overarching story is literally how Arthur came to be, and then his rise and fall from glory. Absolutely. And the movie, for those of you who don't know, he was a legendary king who rose up and brought England to, to its golden age. Yeah. He swathed away the pestilence that plagued the land and, and all the warring factions, and he unified England from coast to coast and had a glorious reign of Camelot. And he was advised by Merlin the Magician. Yes, Merlin. And Merlin, what can we say about Merlin? <laughs> We're going to get to that bit. Because the movie opens up not starring with Arthur. No. It actually opens up with his father, Uther Pendragon, played by Gabriel Burns. Yes. Uther is a little bitch. Merlin, the omnipotent and omnipresent wizard pretty much spoon-feeds him the kingdom. He says, here's the sword that will let you be king. Here's what you need to do to unify the nations. <laughs> yeah, but actually, that's like some of the first dialogue spoken. The scene opens up. All of a sudden, there's just fucking badass knights in badass armor fucking killing each other, smashing each other bits. And then there's Uther, and he's like, oh, I'm the strongest motherfucker on the battlefield. Kills this guy, takes a fucking mace to the chest, gets back up, fucking slices this guy's head off. Then Merlin's like, oh, here's Excalibur. Take it. Okay, you're king. Now that's all Here's you what do. you do. He's like, you go to this guy, you tell him you want to unify, things will work for you. This is the plan. Here you go. It's step one, step two, step three. And Uther lasts ten hours. <laughs> he literally wins, makes peace with the Duke, then he's in, hanging out at the Duke's pad, they're fucking drinking, they're eating fucking lamb shanks, and the Duke's like, ah, oh, there, check out my wife. She's the hottest bitch in all the land. Let me have her dance for you. So she starts dancing. And this isn't a very attractive woman. This was no Helen of Troy. No. This was no Jessica Alba or Kathy Ireland or... <laughs> Kathy Ireland. <laughs> um, or fucking Pam Anderson or fucking... Or Jenna uh, Jameson or anything. This yeah, girl not even hot. makes Meg Ryan look attractive, mind you. Yeah, okay, she's not horribly ugly, but it's the Dark Ages. I mean, it's slim pickings. It's either nasty hag with three teeth wallowing <laughs> in the mud, or it's the Duke's wife. And she's alright. I mean, she's not, like, horrible, but, you know, I've banged better, and Sam's banged better, and... Yeah, that's all we can say about that. So, all of a sudden he gets, like, the, the look of the hungry wolf, and he's just like, Ah, I gotta have this and He bitch. doesn't even, like, discreetly say, Hey, she's hot. Maybe later I'll try to make a passenger. No. In the middle of this guy's <laughs> dining room, he's like, I must have her! And it's like... <laughs> Like, really? You don't have tact? I know, it's like, dude, come on, the, you're in the Duke's fucking house, man. He, you guys just made this fragile bond of peace. Fucking, yeah. I must have her! Next scene, Duke's going back to war with Uther Pendragon. <laughs> They're launching fucking flaming rock at his castle, and game on. And Merlin just strolls up in the middle of this war ignoring all the firing all the arrows all the rocks all the oil and Uther's like where the hell have you been 
I need you to do this for me now. And he's like, I told you this would happen if you didn't listen to me. And you didn't listen to me. So what do you want me to do? He's like, well, I must have her. Yeah, Merlin just has this look. He's like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I just gave you Excalibur. I told you what you need to do to have everlasting peace throughout the land. And you're telling me you want to fuck this bitch and that's all you care about. And Uther's like, uh-huh. And so he's like, ah. He just does like this, ah. And he slaps his forehead, which is covered by like a fucking a metal dome helmet that he got from Destro's garage sale. <laughs> But that's besides the point. So anyway, he leads him up on the hill, overlooking the Duke's castle, across the sea, and, you know... He makes a deal. He says, look, fine. You said you want her for one night, so you can get your rocks off. Alright, I'll make the deal. I'll I'll use my mumbly-jumbly to make you into the Duke of Cornwall. You look exactly like him. You stroll in, you have sex with her, you stroll out. That's it. You're good. You've done it. But, in return... You have to swear an oath to me that whatever happens, if something happens, it's mine. He's like, okay, I swear it by the king. He's like, okay, okay. (laughs) Then Merlin's like, swear it again. He's like, I swear it, Merlin, for fuck's sake. I just want to fuck this bitch. And I'm putting a tent pole in my armor. (laughs) It's actually bending the armor. (laughs) My dick has smashed through my loin, God. God damn it, Merlin, I'm serious. So... Smurn's like, okay. <laughs> so he does his mumbly jumbly. Summons a dragon, apparently, and, and some smoke comes out from under the rocks. And the Duke of Cornwall leaves to attack Uther, and he magically, now looking like Uther, just strolls in and proceeds to have sex with Lady Agrain while their daughter, well, the <laughs> Duke of Cornwall's daughter is watching, and she could actually see through the. Mumbly jumbly, yeah, she, she sees that her mother's getting raped. <laughs> <laughs> well, not really raped. It's well, yeah, basically raped. Uh, she's under the impression that it's her husband is actually her husband's greatest enemy, and yeah. So, like, the daughter's like, "Oh my God, my father's dead," and she's like, "No, you, no, your father's right here." He's like, "Yes, honey, go to sleep. Now go to sleep in your bed right next to our bed. Just close your eyes." Pay no mind to what you're about to hear. Get on the fucking bed, bitch. <laughs> he rips off her clothes. No, no, no. Okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. This is actually a freaking a ridiculous sex scene. Like, ridiculous. Because he r- fucking jams his tongue down this Duke's wife's throat. Fucking <laughs> rips off her fucking clothes. And then starts sucking on her tit. Like, while the daughter's watching in bed, like, literally three feet away, she's like, Mommy! And then he proceeds to violate her while not taking off his armor. <laughs> so it's like, how is this supposed to work, right? I know, dude. He's fucking... I don't know. Does he have, like, a little hatch in there or something? I mean, he didn't take off his armor. I mean, I get sweaty when I'm freaking wearing a t-shirt and shorts in the, in the summertime. This guy's banging this girl hardcore next to a blazing fire under the freaking the heated eye of her daughter. You know, I mean, jeez, that's got to be uncomfortable. And let's get off this this horrible, horrific rape scene and go to what's going on with Duke of Cornwall. He has gone to the camp of Uther to kill, kill Uther, him. and he his horse trips, and he gets impaled on a bunch of spikes. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty awesome, though. And that is the end of his story. <laughs> that, that is the end of the Duke of Cornwall. So obviously... His men bring him back. The wife knows something's up because she's now pregnant, 
And she's like, wait, I had sex, and he's dead. He just, he, no, it's impossible. And so Uther gets what he wants. He gets her, and he's suddenly all now like, okay, I have you now. You are mine, and I will learn to love men, and everything will be fine. Yes, he... I- Zan said right. He actually said the words, I will learn to love men. Because <laughs> he sees his newborn son. Yeah, he feel, falls in love with him, and he wants to set things right. It's like, yeah, I kind of murdered your husband, and I raped you, but that's all in the past, baby. I mean, hey, and we can... so, guess who shows up? Like like the Pied Piper of Hamman, like Rumpelstiltskin? <laughs> <laughs> Rumpel Foreskin fucking Merlin shows up. And he's like, hey, remember the deal we had? Well, that's my baby. (laughs) And after some very, really not convincing argument, he just takes the baby, walks out, and then after about 20 minutes, Uther decides, I have to go after my son. And forgetting the fact that everyone in the country wants to kill him. Yeah, because he fucked over the Duke, and he's still in the Duke's land, technically, which he stole. Everybody wants to murder him. He charged out without his trusty guards. Guess what happens next? Well, he gets killed, and he proceeds... Before he dies, he takes the Sword of the King, Excalibur, and he jams it into a rock. Obviously, you've heard of the story of the Sword in the Stone. Only he who is worthy of being the king can pull out the sword. Yes. And I've said, oh, we forgot completely that the sword in the beginning of the film, when it was brought out, was brought brought by the Lady of the Lake. Yes. Which is seen as a woman in a very interesting costume. She's got, like, scale, kind of... It's actually the coolest scene. Whenever she appears, it's really cool scenes. Like, when she brings the sword out and when she actually will make the sword appear and when she catches it at the end of the film. But, again, neither here nor there. So then, now, let's zoom forward. Yeah, actually, and that's another important thing. Before we reveal any more about the plot of the movie... uh, There's a lot of fast cuts. Uh, You're basically expected to realize that, okay, you know, fucking 20 years have passed by, or, you know, five months, or however long. It just just happens. There's no, like, transition scenes. And the actors actually do the makeup jobs are really well done. They're the same actors, and they sometimes act like they're little kids, to teenagers, to adults, to old men, and it works. It does work, but there is... The transitions are a little hasty. Like, they could be just walking down a path... And it's literally just following them, and then just they go past a branch, and it shows them walking, and it's like five years later. Yeah, no, all of a sudden there's like buildings and no shit. No rhyme or reason, just bop. It, it does work. For me, it worked anyway. Uh, some spots it didn't work, but for, for overall, it was it was fine. It was it was fun. The movie was long enough. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't take yeah. its time saying the time. Either way, passed. so we went to now, we'll say 12 years later. Ten, they said 10, but 12 years later, because I don't believe he was 10 years old. That. Yeah, you went from, from being born to, you know, like 25 years old. but To being a really retarded kid who isn't even a really good squire to his adopted older brother. He's like, hey, they're hitting each other with wooden sticks. Yes, very crappy joust scene. Yeah, crappy just, joust, but it featured Patrick Stewart, who looks exactly like he does today, just with a beard. I thought he sold his soul. No, seriously, he must have. Him and David Bowie. <laughs> dude, he looks exactly the fucking same. He looks exactly the same as he did in 1981, as he did on Star Trek, as he does right now, whatever the fuck he's doing. Probably doing coke off of a fucking male stripper's ass. I have no idea what he's up to these days. Uh, so, Arthur proves he's king, pulls out the sword from the stone, and he's like, but who knows who I am? And meanwhile, in the background, you see... Merlin just walking 
like no person like walking down is like, well, who is this Merlin you speak of? Well, that's me. He was literally like taking a piss behind a tree, and he's like, oh, I'm Merlin. Hey, how you doing? We forgot about the whole part where fucking Arthur forgot Briquet's sword. And he had to go run off, and he needed to find a replacement, so then he pulled Excalibur like a fucking dipshit. He's like, oh, here's Excalibur. Use this in the, so the tournament that everybody's fighting for is actually this sword, so I'm just going to give it to you. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and so then Mer- Merlin literally walks out from behind a bush. Like, he literally, like, either he's taking a shit and reading a scroll or something. He's like, oh, hello, I'm Merlin. I can explain everything. He's been stalking Arthur for his entire life. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. Merlin just kind of fucking... And Merlin only walks. He just walks. He's like, okay. He tells him, he's like, I don't need to... I've been here since the dawn of time. I don't have to do anything for anybody. Well, that's what happens. So then there's like this huge fight between Patrick Stewart and his knights versus the other posing knights who all, who wanted a piece of the sword, but because, obviously couldn't. Because since Arthur pulled the sword out of the stone... They're supposed to acknowledge him as king, and most of them say he's just a boy, he's just a squire. We will not accept him. And here is one part that I thought was interesting: is the fact that when he handed it to Kay, immediately their father, Sir Ether, is like, "Kay, did you pull a sword from the stone?" And in every other version I've read, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I did it, I did it, it was me." And this one, he's kind of like, "Yeah, I mean, I can't lie. It wasn't me. It was him." Yeah. He owns up to it, and that I think it shows a little bit more of the noble side of. He's a fucking knight. I mean, you gotta have some sort of nobility. You gotta have a good heart. And, and the truth they is, proved Kay point, wasn't yeah. just a big fucking dickhead. This proves a big point because the honor and resolves the situation. Because, as we said, other knights say, you know what? He's not king. We're gonna take the country for ourselves. And they run to start a war against Patrick Stewart. Meanwhile, Arthur runs after Merlin in some very well. <laughs> Merlin walks away through the bushes, and Arthur chases him. And then, yeah, then we get to the freaking creepy camp scene <laughs> where Merlin is basically sitting there in his robe and stroking his scepter-like rod and is making quiet advances towards Arthur, who's actually literally getting the shit scared out of him by fucking wildlife that definitely isn't indigenous to, to medieval England. Like, first you see an owl, yeah, okay. Then there's a fucking boa constrictor, then like a Burmese python, and then a fucking uh, spiny lizard, for, obviously from like Arizona or some and shit. And he's getting scared, and Merlin's like, yes, it's okay, I will protect you. <laughs> Come here by the fire. And close your eyes. Let me tell you some stories and suggestive thoughts. <laughs> Arthur's like, ooh, what have you got to tell me, Merlin? Teach me everything about being a king. First... You must pay fealty to your master. <laughs> and then, then it fades to black and hears some muffled screams and I don't know what the fuck happened. And then later on in the future, in 200 years in the future, there's a scene with Merlin in a court cell and a police officer with a doll talking to Arthur. Here you go, Arthur. Now point on the dolly where Merlin touched you. <laughs> it was here. Either way. So let us get on with it. So, after this quote-unquote montage sequence of how long, we don't know, he goes, rallies the troops, and he gets on a horse with Excalibur, with no armor, wearing the same crappy war power many days, to fight a bunch of armored knights. Yes, laying siege to the castle of Sir Patrick Stewart. Yes. And it's a pretty 
it's not the fight sequences. It's are actually right. really awesome. They got like siege all ladders and siege equipment. You know the the scaffolding, all that's built. There's pe- peasants throwing hot oil over the wall. There's catapults. And There's random guys just running out with a sickle, getting killed immediately. Hey, Ma, look, I'm in the movie. Clack. <laughs> So, so actually, what happens? So, uh, yeah. So also- basically, Arthur charges in like a fucking maniac, unarmored. He's the newly christened king of England. Literally, a fucking man with a crossbow. <laughs> I was gonna say like a like a tree branch or a fucking twig or a pointy stick could actually literally destroy Arthur in one poke, you know. But no, he's just running in blindly, hacking guys away, kicking over ladders. Gets in, he saves Guinevere up top. Who's and he, he helps his friend, daughter. and then he does the. He jumps off of the top of a parapet to land on top of the, one of the main knights who is fighting. And in the scene, it's pretty. Besides the fact he's off of a parapet, which we'll say is two Just, two stories. I would I would say even higher, probably about three stories. So about thirty five feet, he jumps off. So thirty five feet into the moat. Into the moat, and then you see a horse run over the stun guy. Yeah, like you literally have to see the scene. We we wrote down the time at exactly forty minutes and eight seconds. Uh, twelve seconds. Or twelve seconds. Well, go to go to about forty minutes, and you'll 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 get the gist. This is where a stuntman we believe meets his doom. Uh, the guy playing Arthur. It's hard to explain. Like the horse is in the moat, and then the stuntman jumps from off camera. Uh, Grabs the guy arm, on the horse the from behind. <laughs> yeah, he basically arm bars him and then flips in front of the horse. The knight on top of the horse lurches off to the right into safety. The horse fucking jumps over directly where the stuntman went underwater after knocking the other guy off. Literally, the horse must have crushed this fucking guy to death, dude. It was, you know, the scene in, in Twilight Zone where the guy actually got killed by the helicopter? Yeah, fucking. This was that same fucking horrific feeling that I got when I saw it. Oh, oh man, that's awful. He kills him, and it's just a <laughs> truly, truly just just bad scene. And meanwhile, Arthur being even more stupid, he's just going... It's like a little boy playing with a sword. I mean, maybe he's supposed to portray a little kid, but it's really... You just want to punch him in the face. He's acting like a retard. <laughs> well, tackles the, the main knight, and he... He's well, this like, is the best scene. Well, oh, yeah. Well, this is what proves Arthur to be earned the right to wield the sword. He gets a knight. He's got him by the throat. Excalibur's pointing, ready to fucking lunge. He's like, he's like, accept me as king. Accept me as king. He's like, he's like, you're a squire. He's like, oh, you're right. Shit. He's like, all right. Well, knight me then. And then he's like, what? He's like, he literally hands over Excalibur to his fucking enemy right now. And then, like, the battle stops. Everybody's watching. Like, what? Even Merlin's like, oh my fucking god, this asshole. It took me fucking 25 years, and this dickhead fucked everything up. But, you know what? That's where the honor comes in. All of a sudden, this guy's moved by Arthur's fucking courage, and, and he's... And he knights him as knights the king, and, yeah. and suddenly all is prosperous. And it's a very powerful scene because it shows that these knights had some sort of honor. I mean, at the end, the knights who were with Mordred, I don't think they had any honor. No, nah, they were all cowards. They were just siding with the most powerful. Yes. And so at this point, we have Arthur, who is now the newly knighted king, and he's there at King Leon de Grazzi. But anyway, so he's with Leon de Grazzi, a Frenchman. 
And he's at this party, and Merlin's immediately, he's creeping up towards him like, Hey, so now you, here's the plan this time, buddy? He's like, you go step A, step B, step C. And immediately Arthur's like, Patrick Stewart's daughter's hot. Can you give me a spell for her? And he's like... And Merlin's like, Jesus Christ, what is with you fucking pen dragons? Can't you keep your fucking cock in your pants for one fucking minute before you fuck everything up? And he's really like, why are you doing this? He's like, seriously... This is stupid. Your father did this too. He's like, I did this once. Last time I did this, I was unconscious for nine months. And who knows what could happen? And you know what? This is where, like, Merlin, he actually becomes, like, really, like, almost a little bit slapstick, like, in his delivery here. But it actually brings a nice dynamic quality to him. You know, he's not all serious. Obviously, the guy's a thespian actor, and he's just like, just his delivery. It's it's classic. It's hilarious. He's and just he, like, and ah. he even he spells it out to Arthur too. Yeah. He's like, he's like, like look, dude. he's like, never again. And he's like, and if you do this, you go after her. She's gonna betray you with your best friend, and things are gonna go to shit. And he's like, well, I like her. And <laughs> like, I want boobs. Like, okay, then. Okay, then. And then later on, he even tries one last time where she kind of flirting with him. And he's like, well, you know, it's kind of like that thing that you just got there. You could either, until you eat it, nothing happens. And he's like, oh, fuck, you <laughs> chose the wrong path. It's like, uh, yeah, there's basically no ex- explaining anything. Merlin knows the future. He's a fucking necromancer, apparently. We don't find that out till a little bit later, but... We'll, <laughs> they, we'll he's, get into that. He's considered a necromancer. Anyway, so they do all that shit. And he spoon-feeds them all the information. Oh, yeah. They're just like... Disregard what the fucking most powerful man on the planet is, thinks. He only spoon-fed me Excalibur, and he was trying to show me the way, but you know what? I need to come, so... Eh, let me just hook up with this dumb bitch. No, well, he doesn't actually hook up with her yet, but he's... He's a little smaller than his father. His yeah, father. it's true. Okay, yeah. He didn't fucking offend his gracious host, King Patrick Stewart, but he should have just kept it in mind. The next scene, is after this whole dinner thing... That, of course, Arthur's a king, he's going to need some help. He's going to need yes. some assistance, some knights. And he's a quest the land to recruit his kingdom. And there's this knight he bumps into who is, essentially, he's, an a- he's not an asshole. He's just like, look... I'm not going to move. You guys can do whatever you want, but you can't move. And there's this bridge that he's protecting. Meanwhile, Merlin is in the water playing around and literally like going, I'm on the right side, I'm on the left side. I'm on the right side, I'm on the left side. It's like if you've ever seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, the part where Dave Chappelle is jumping from side to side, it was it was exactly like that. <laughs> it was ridiculous. They could have... And Lancelot... Well, I guess, yeah. yeah it's yeah. Lancelot. And he basically says, he's like, oh, you can go around, it doesn't matter to me, you know, this is my room. And then, but Arthur's just like so fucking hell-bent on proving himself that he's just going nuts. Like, he, they, go, they do a joust, Arthur loses, he's a fucking sore loser. What does he do? He dismounts, he takes out Excalibur, and then he fucking badgers Lancelot into like a fight to the death. Lancelot's like, hey man, just fucking go back, cross the stream. You can't have this bridge. Leave. Arthur's like, ah, just a fucking king of the lunatics. He has a, this fucking ridiculous face on. He's just like, ah, yeah, yeah, kill. Yeah. Yes, and this fight sequence is astounding. It is an astounding fight, and the ending is so just interesting because Arthur's getting his ass kicked. Lancelot is a superior fighter, and Arthur. Kind of goes cheap. He uses the cheat code. 
which is he actually calls upon the strength of Excalibur and uses it to defeat Lancelot, but in doing so, he actually destroys it. The sword, which cannot be destroyed, he breaks in half. Yeah, Merlin shits his fucking pants when Excalibur's broken. Merlin's like, yo, what? You you just broke? You just fucking broke Excalibur? Like, I'm surprised Merlin didn't have a fucking aneurysm at this point. He's been dealing with this Pendragon lineage for far too long. I'm surprised he just didn't fucking summon a bullet and fucking into his brain, man. Just been like, that's it, I'm that's done. It. I fucking quit. Fuck England. I'm moving to France. Fuck this shit. No. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> so, Arthur realizes what he did. He realized he killed Lancelot, and he's like, what What? what, what am I doing? He's like, he realizes, like, what? what is wrong with me? I mean, I... This sword shouldn't have been used for this. I, I'm just a petty man. He realized that there's more to life than what he was doing, more than his pride, more he, than his... He knew he cheated, too. He knew he was dishonorable, and he admitted it, like, right then and there, and and the thing is, by him admitting it, the Lady of the Lake shows up, takes the sword back, and she fixes it for him. And she mends his soul, his broken heart, and he even, she resurrects Lancelot, and he makes Lancelot his champion, the greatest knight. And then, the stupidest scene possible happens, where all the knights get together and they come up with a round table. They didn't have to spell it out as bad as they did, it could have been done a lot better, but they're basically the last opposing enemy has been defeated. They're all up on the hill. Hey, hey. Fucking, you know, they're all cheering and fucking Merlin starts blasting this insane fire from his fucking wand like Tim the Enchanter. And then he's just like, he's like, oh yeah, he's like all of a sudden Killjoy fucking, oh, it's short-lived, you know, this and that. Remember it while it lasts. This is blah, blah, blah. Everybody's like, ah, oh, Merlin, you're then a fucking Then Arthur's downer. like, well, we're in a circle. We must remember to stay in this circle in this round section and we all build a a oh, a round table and just yes and it will be it will be brown no it'll be silver and, and, and we'll have stools no chairs and we will drink and we'll have laminated table markings and there will be doilies plenty of doilies and and teacups plenty of teacups we must drink them in the correct teapots with the pinky up and a candle, the candle wick. No, maybe we'll maybe we'll do three candles and and torches which will line the great hall, and and there'll be a window and possibly a door. And it was just fucking ridiculous. It's they like, could have just shown the scene them in a circle, the scene where Arthur's like, and my, you are my brothers, and then they could have transitioned into the the future of Camelot, which Camelot looks really eighties tastic. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say 80s, because when you think when Arthur was getting older, his hair grew out, he kind of had that, like, you know, the hairstyle, he kind of actually looked like Sarah Connor from First Terminator yeah. when she was out. You know, that's that's what the hairstyle was. Yep. Yeah, that was the only 80s thing, like, when I think 80s, that's what I think of. Yep. Other than that, they had obvious technological restrictions to Still, do special effects. special effects are pretty good. So, from this point, we have the marriage of Arthur and Guinevere, and Lancelot falling in love with Guinevere, but not really. He doesn't do anything. He says, I'll love you for all eternity, but you're my best friend's wife, and I'm not going to touch that. And he, he actually doesn't touch that until later on, when she comes to him, and she's the temptress, kind of. It's very religious undertone of the Adam and Eve thing, where Eve was the one who tempted Adam, which some people say. It's... It didn't really come off. Guinevere was kind of just alive. And Lancelot automatically felt it. He automatically fell in love with her when he first laid eyes upon her. And then he's kind of trying to do the right thing. And the conflict is it's basically within Lancelot. Yeah. 
And it is a, it is a good scene because he is the better knight. And at the end, he kind of does redeem himself with that situation. But the other thing we have to remember is that there is another person involved in this little situation, and that is Morgana Le Fay, Arthur's half sister. The little girl that was traumatized by seeing Arthur's dad bone her mom in yeah. front of her. Turns out that she is a quote-unquote necromancer. The necromancer. She knows a mandrake root from a fucking hole in the ground. Morgana is played by the lovely Helen Mirren. Your favorite character. Yes. Uh, Helen Mirren is one of the sexiest women ever born. One of the hottest actors I've ever seen. I just, I love Helen Mirren. She's she's insane. It's, she does it for me. But it's pretty good that her delivery that she is a necromancer. When necromancers raise up zombies, all you do is I'm a necromancer. I'm bored. I need some poker buddies. <laughs> All right. If you win, I'll let you out for a day. If you lose, I put you back in the ground. <laughs> All right. See you next week. You promise. <laughs> I lied. It's like, no, I'm hungry for your soul. No. Sticks a giant straw on the back of his neck and sucks out his soul. Merlin the Lich King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Merlin wasn't... He, was, he didn't really strike me as a necromancer. I mean, necro, yeah, necromancer is ghoulish and fucking dark and... I mean, Merlin's spoken riddles and tongues, but, you know, it wasn't like fucking incantations all day long. No. It's kind of a goof. Yeah, but meanwhile, she's trying to become the apprentice of Merlin. Morgana's trying to become... She yeah, does she, become his apprentice. She, but Merlin, for whatever reason, he, like, basically spells out for her that he's gonna show her the way, and he kind of does. Some stuff is implied. I think Merlin bent her over the altar and kind of showed her his divine rod, if so to speak. But that's just speculation. All right. So from this point on, we have the introduction of Knight, who is supposedly the most noble of them all, Percival, who's just this kid who's a thief who tries to mug Lancelot, <laughs> then cooks him dinner. <laughs> and then he follows him for 20 days on foot back to Camelot. But he shows that he's got chutzpah. Yeah, no, he's got balls. He, he, he becomes defend. a squire. I mean, that's... And then because of an issue, he, and he gets knighted by Arthur, because... I forgot to mention, Lancelot, because of his lust for Guinevere, his uncontrollable love... It's not really lust, it's actual love. He's imposed an exile on himself from the round table. And everybody kind of notices that as the years pass and everything's bountiful, Lancelot's not there. So Morgana, she starts whispering to Liam Neeson, who apparently plays a raging alcoholic in this flick. You know, she's like, oh, you know, Lancelot's been boning Guinevere, that's why he doesn't show up. So then Liam Neeson, in drunken rage, accuses her. Fucking Arthur, he's like, yo, dude, you watch your tongue or I'll cut your fucking head off. Oh, wait, I can't because I'm bound by the same laws. Somebody's got to defend my wife's honor. Meanwhile, Guinevere's like, wait, why can't you do it? Why can't you defend my honor? He's like, the thing is that I'm your husband, but I'm king first. I can't love you as much as I love my country. My country has to take precedence over it. Which is very noble. But as, as a husband, from her perspective, it's kind of like, you just told me to go fuck myself. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's where I think Guinevere turned cold towards Arthur was when he's told her, he's like, listen, above all else, including our marriage and my love for you, I'm fucking king, and I gotta stand for the laws. And she's like, well, well, and he's like, nah, that's, sorry, honey, that's the way it works. So that's, that's when she grows cold. So... Flash forward a couple days to the trial where either Lancelot shows up or he doesn't. Liam Neeson's there. Well, he plays Sir Gawain. But he's like, I demand justice. Somebody better fucking come here to fight me. Otherwise, we'll kill Gwen. Yeah, it's my fucking right. 
So then, Percival, <laughs> still a squire, in his fucking scrub clothes, I guess he was, like, washing dishes or socks or whatever he says, the fuck I'll he's stand in. for them, but you're just a squire. He's like, well, well, just like Arthur said to the knight way before, he's like, knight me. And Arthur's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, no one else. And there's, like, 12 rows of fucking fully decked out knights in armor. Nobody steps forward to, to save Guinevere's name. So Percival does, becomes a knight, jumps on a horse, all of a sudden, Lancelot shows up. And he's bleeding. Yes, he was bleeding. <laughs> he stabbed himself uh, through some weird mumbly-jumbly dream. Yes, he had some mumbly-jumbly dream. You actually end up seeing his balls, like, no joke, you literally see his balls and his butthole, because he's wrestling himself in armor while he's himself is naked. Again, another homoerotic <laughs> yes. fight. And so, at this point... Lancelot wins, but he is bleeding to death. And just like his father, Arthur begs Merlin for a favor and says, it doesn't matter the cost, what it is. And Merlin saves Lancelot. Guinevere's hand on the wound, and, and all of a sudden he's better. And as they walk out, Arthur's like, she's not mine anymore, is she? And he's like, nope. It's like, am I even going to have an heir to the throne? He's like, yep. He's like, oh, that's it, Merlin? Just a yes, no cryptic answer. I'm he's like, nope. He's like, <laughs> it's like Merlin. You said you gave me an actual, honest to god answer for once, rather than fucking make my head hurt with your mumbo jumbo ramblings. What's going on here, bro? And he's like, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. And Merlin says, I gotta go for a while because, well, this is at this point you're on your own because Lancelot left because he's like, I can't do this, and Guinevere yeah. went after him. Obviously, this is when they consummate. And yeah, Lancelot bones Guinevere on a couple of jagged rocks. Arthur, if he sees it, he fucking jabs Excalibur down in between them. Basically, forfeited the fucking throne. Yeah. I mean, he was still king by title, but heart was broken. All of a sudden, they wake up, they see, oh shit, Arthur saw, oh my fucking god. Guinevere goes one way, Lancelot runs off naked in the woods. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> He's like, ah, my friend! Ah! So... And Arthur. meanwhile, one other thing is that Merlin, trying to trick Morgana into a trap, kind of gets screwed over because of the situation, because he's hurt by Arthur giving up his title, and so Morgana takes advantage and is like, okay, I'm in charge now, push! Yeah, oh, I'm going to trap you in some magic ice, Merlin, haha! <laughs> and then Merlin's like, oh, she fucking bitch! And then she decides to follow the old southern laws, but ding 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 well, okay. Unfortunately, in the movie, on paper, it, it sounds horribly wrong. Arthur's half-blooded sister fucks him in his sleep and becomes pregnant with his child. Now, that's pretty fucking gross. But on film, see Helen Mirren, big... Well, this is for you, Big Rick. I hope you're listening, man. Big, beautiful breasts in fishnet fucking necromancer gown is riding Arthur reverse cowgirl style and it's just all sorts of hotness. So anyway, I'm done with that. So anyway, she becomes pregnant. The Arthur minute, knows it. And at the minute of their bastard son Mordred's birth, everything goes to hell. It's like essentially, okay, your bastard son's born and God is mad at you and you screwed up, so lightning bolt to the chest. <laughs> They're in church, like, fucking lightning bolt right through the cross into Arthur's chest. It fucking it knocks him cold. It, and all of a sudden, crops are dying. 
there's like a fog upon the land, pestilence, everything's gray and miserable. All of a sudden, all the old women are digging in the muck again with shit all over them. The children are starving. They're burning babies and just all sorts of horrible things happen. And Arthur is looks like he's aged ten years in one day and he's has a kind of sign in his head. He's like, look, we've gone away from our way. We've we've fallen from what our noble goals were. The only thing that could save us is the Holy Grail. Go, my knights, and see if you can find it. And they're like, well, where should we go? Where are we going to look for the Grail? He's like, find a sign. Follow the sign. Look, that tree, it's pointing to the east. Go that way. That's basically how fucked they are, how desperate they are. All the knights fucking And ten years zip later, off. and you go down from like maybe 60 knights to two. Oh, it's horrible. They all die over time, and meanwhile... <laughs> Mama, where's Daddy? I mean, Uncle. I mean, Brother. <laughs> yep, Mordred, Mister Mordred Pendragon, the retarded fucking mongoloid, incestuous fucking conceived bastard son of Arthur. And his goal, you just when you first see him, you just hear a, a retarded. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's like have you ever seen uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, where Jason's in the gunny sack, like the retarded fucking sloth eye face. He looks like sloth, or at least I, you think he looks like sloth. I thought he was he's sloth, but then he's a pretty boy underneath. And you're like, yeah, it's like what the fuck. He should he should be retarded. He should have the brains of a fucking shit in a soup. You know? Nah, but he's just a cold blooded, well, bastard. He literally doesn't care. He just he just wants his due. Yeah. So we're following Percival. Percival is aged considerably. He's got a beard. His face is all cut up. He's chapped. His armor's rusted and muddy. Yeah, and after and ten years, he bumps was searching. Him. Yeah, he bumps in the woods randomly into Mord- Mordred. Yeah. And it turns out they've been luring the knights out, and above them there's a bunch of dead knights. It's pretty sick. They're all strung up by their necks. There's actually crows pecking out the eyeballs of the rotted corpses. It's hardcore stuff. So, yeah, he lures them in into the necromancer's lair. And they even have just says, look, you've been searching for ten years, you can't find it. My brother, he's kind of going crazy. If you swear allegiance to my son, you can have whatever you want, you can relax. And Percival tells him no. He's like, no, my duty is to the king, my king is my lord. And they try hanging him. Yeah, they hang him by his fucking neck. Then he goes into a Conan-induced fucking hallucination dream. Or he sees the actual grail, but he can't touch it for some reason. And then he escapes. And then he sees, it seems like a day later, but it's actually like ten years, Mordred's older. Yeah. Mordred's older, and Morgana's still rubbing oil all over his bare, glistening chest. You can see where the, the mindset is with Morgana. She'll fuck her brother... You think she won't fuck her son? You, th- you think she, while she's oiling up his glistening, hairless chest, she's not thinking of, uh, you know, how much she reminds him of Arthur? I don't know, man. It's pretty sick. Sorry for the, for the graphic nature of that description. Very true. So from this point on, we have Arthur just... At this point, he is so old and decrepit, he's literally, they have to pull his chair out and carry him to where he has to go because he's not getting up. And Mordred shows up saying, Hey, Pop, give me throne or I'm going to kill you. And he's like, my son, I can't give you land, but I can give you my love. My son, I can give you all the love I have in my heart. And he's like, okay, you don't want to give it to me? Fine, old man, I'm taking it. So I'll be back. Come back, army full of resurrected, undead knights, 
And all your friends who turn against you. <laughs> Everybody else is pissed off at you. Mm, yep. So then we cut back to Percival. He bumps into Lancelot, who's now just an ugly, ugly man. Stark, raving, fucking lunatic at a burning pile of embers. And you're like, "What's? what are they raking? Are those hot coals? Oh, no, it's just children's skulls. Like, they're throwing fucking corpses on this giant pyre. People are dying. Percival's like, Lancelot, Lancelot, it's me. And he's like, ah, it's all your fault. And then they, like, fucking fight. He throws Percival in the water. He gets sucked down into this lake. And then he just starts ripping off his armor because it's going to fucking drown him. So then he, like, comes out of it. And it's almost as a, a birth sequence where he kind of pops out and he suddenly has a vision of the grail and he realizes what the grail is and he's enlightened by it and he's able to obtain it. He realizes that the land and Arthur are one. And when he obtains it, he immediately takes the grail, while still naked, runs <laughs> all the way back to Camelot. He literally runs naked to back to Camelot. Goes to Arthur, who's literally just sitting there like, just let me die. <laughs> he gives him a drink of it and immediately, like, Popeye-eating spinach, he's like, alright, to battle! And <laughs> fucking poor Percival, he's been on this harrowing quest for a fucking eternity now. He hasn't had a moment's rest to himself. He's been beaten, bad. he's been hung up by his fucking neck in the Tree of Woe. Arthur's like, okay, I'm better now. I've, I've had 15, 20 years to sit on my ass and contemplate how shitty everything is. Well, I'm back. Suit up, Percival, it's time to go to battle. Percival's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. But... He gets he immediately in this awesome scene of everything going back to life. Immediately, everyone gets charged up. They're strengthened and they're ready to go. They get all pumped up and they're good. And Arthur, the first thing he does is instead of going to war, he goes sees his wife in a nunnery. And he says, "You know what? No matter what, I still love you. No, even after everything, and I forgive you for what you did." And she immediately shows she kept Excalibur for him. Now he has a sword back, so he's all pumped up and strong. This. Flowers are literally blooming to life. Meanwhile, the last sequence, we couldn't spoil it completely, but we're not going to, but the last sequence is just a battle between Mordred and Arthur, which is done... Oh, you did forget, Mordred's armor is spells. Did we talk about... Oh, yeah, yeah, Mordred's armor has a... And obviously it's gold, and the helmet is fucking ridiculous. It can't be pierced by any weapons by a man he's protected he's got a magical spell on his armor but of course but of Excalibur course. being Excalibur is a loophole <laughs> yes it was it was given forth by the lady of the lake who obviously is not a man or a human or you know or anything short of a fucking deity of some sort but we don't really know that because it wasn't really explained so we just had to assume and the ending is just a battle between them in a very climactic end. Pretty cool scene. Actually, and a really abrupt ending, too. All of a sudden, it ends. Like, no. like, the, like the movie's really long. It's 140 minutes, which is, you know, and, and two hours and 20 minutes. It seems like 400 minutes. Yeah, well, sometimes it drags. I mean, in the, in the timeline of things, you know, you, you go from the birth all the way to the end, and it's like... A lot of shit. They cover a lot of ground, and I'm surprised at how much they actually did cover. True, and because the book is eight volumes from, you know, if you go from actual lifetimes, he went from being um, from the Caxton era of year one to four, all the way to year t- 21. So 21 years is, oh. this, this covers. 
give or take. No, I think it was more than that. Yeah. I think that, that well, well, over the, the the author's life, it took yeah. the guy 21 years to write. The, yeah, so it was written over a course of 21 years. That's a lot of ground to cover, you know what I mean? So obviously it covers a lot. Yeah, I mean, they do take out a lot of things, like some of the stories, like the story of Sir Gareth, where he fights the Green Knight, which is one of my personal favorite stories. There's a lot they don't cover. They just cover the most popular parts, which is the death of him, the Sir Guinevere story, his birth. And the search for the Grail. And the search for the Grail is, I think, the weak link of the story. Because if you break this up into several parts, you have essentially pre-Arthur's birth, Arthur's aborted childhood, which is one page, and then it's him as a king, then Lancelot, then Lancelot and Guinevere, then Mordred, then the end. And, oh, and the Grail in between Mordred and... But the Grail... Yeah, was, I mean, the Grail The Grail was like the thread that kind of bound the, the beginning to... Well, actually, no. The middle of the story to the end of the story. That's the only significance that the Grail had, but... It, it did play an important part, and obviously they couldn't really work around it just because of how much of the lifespan that they wanted to cover, you know, so that it had to be in there. But anyway, so yeah, it, it's long, but at some part, it doesn't really seem like it just kind of sucks you back in. Like, when you start to get bored with it, they actually, the story comes around, and it's like all of a sudden, you know, you're on the edge of your seat again, you know, just watching all the events unfold, and it's really kind of a masterwork. Uh, in that respect. It is a very good film. I'm not going to lie, it is a very good film. It is a film which, I mean, a lot of the effects are practically done. The three major complaints I would have is, one is the night scene. They tried making it official by not having lights. They didn't use any outdoor lighting. They just literally did it by torchlight. So you couldn't see a lot of what was going on in the darker frames. And also the interior lighting was kind of bleh. Uh, the other thing is that the film is recorded in mono. <laughs> yeah, and what mono means is that it's not stereo, which means no 5.1 surround, no fucking Dolby Digital, no fucking Lucasfilm fucking THX quality shit in the beginning. Yes. No, so for all it's of our mono. advanced it's one st- one yeah, speaker. So for all of our advanced stereos and theater equipment, it's like you have to have it cranked up to out of 50 or at 45, and it still sounds. And, the, and they're screaming too like they're two feet from each other and they're screaming and it's like it actually it sounds like shit like this podcast is recorded on better technology than what the film was and some of the ADR looping you know technical stuff like that it, it's the 80s, early, early 80s. So that, that shit really wasn't that great back then. Like, they just didn't care. Okay, so that's 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 really the, the, the main complaint is the sound. We didn't get to talk about the best part of the film, which was the fucking props. The well, props... Well, most of the props, not all the props. All right, most of the props. But Okay, so there were some shitty props. The shittiest props were, like, the golden dragon statues. Those kind of sucked. The, the entire interior of Camelot was pretty bad. It was easy yeah, to Yeah, okay, sometimes... But it was supposed to be, like, shimmery and sparkly. It just didn't translate well. But the armor... Yes. The weapons... The f- th- those were phenomenal. They were fucking brilliant. They all looked fucking ridiculous. They had awesome helmets, and the armor was just, like, big and grand and fucking just ridiculous. That was my favorite part about it. What else? The, uh... 
some of the locations, like Sir Patrick Stewart's castle, is an actual castle, and they built, you know, they had moats and, and shit like that. They used good locations. They used, Which was in they Ireland. used what they had. Yeah, it, it, they did some great fucking shots with, with what they had. You know, they were limited. And, in, you know, like we said, the effects weren't that great because it was the early it was 1980 or more or around that time period, you know, so they had to rely heavily on what they could actually use. I mean, there was camera trickery and, you know, they had, like, glowing effects and stuff, but no computers existed at this point. And, you know, they just had to work around it. It was a, a, you know, there's a lot of magic that they had to incorporate, but they had to do it with what they had. But all in all, it could have been a lot worse. I tell you what, it could have been a lot fucking worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of it doesn't stand the test of time. Print is pretty grainy. Yeah, oh, yeah, the DVD just had the standard Warner Brothers issued DVD. They just, it was a direct print. You could see all the blotches, especially in the beginning. You could see all the deterioration on the film. They didn't try to clean it up at all or filter it. That was kind of gritty, but overall, then it, it gets better eventually. Okay, so here's a question for you. Out of all the characters, yes. who gets MVP? Who, who is your favorite Ooh. character? Favorite character? And least favorite character in the movie. Acting-wise, character-wise, how are you doing? I don't know, let's see. Acting-wise? Just in general, who is overall? I guess my favorite was fucking Percival, just because he's the fucking man. What he endured from where he came from. I mean, even though he came later, obviously, he was just... He made it all the way to the end. Quest of the Hardest. Least favorite character? I'd have to go with... I guess Gawain, actually. He would be my least favorite. I mean, Liam Neeson, he's awesome. Underused, you think? Definitely underused, but he just kind of, like, accused and you fell short. And it was like, well, why are you being a dick? Why are you calling out your queen over one fucking drunken rambling... Because, you know, Morgana put a thought in your head, you know? It's like, you, you just, you stepped out of line, and it's just kind of foolish, and that was the beginning of the end of the mm-hmm. whole shit. Yeah. Um, for me, I, even though I do like Percival, and I think he would've, I like how Merlin literally, I mean, really creepy, like, you want to see him walk into the room, and then suddenly Chris, uh... Chris Hansen! Chris, Chris Hansen, like, to catch a predator. <laughs> would you have him seat, please? <laughs> Merlin with his metal helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Merlin's like, oh, who, uh, uh, this isn't, you're not Billy. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm Chris Hansen with uh, NBC to catch a predator. Can you have a seat, please? He's like, I'm not a predator. I was teaching him how to wield a sword. Yes, that's right. Uh, we have this web transcript. Um, would you like to tug on my royal scepter and pull Excalibur from your asshole? <laughs> I don't know. It's a fucking, yeah. So even though even though he has a creepy creepy homoerotic side to him, I think he was a good character. Even he was a character who accepted them for their flaws and pretty much would said like, "Yeah, you guys go." He laid out the plan for them, and even if they listen to him, he's like, "Yeah, I'll give you guys help when you need it, but otherwise, you guys are fucking on your own." And least favorite character, <laughs> Mordred. I mean, the kid was creepy. The guy was creepy. Yeah. They both looked really fucking creepy. The kid and the the older one. But as a villain, he really didn't do... He wasn't like a true villain. I mean, if he's built up the ruining of this, and they could have done more. You know, Yeah, it's, actually, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Because, like, what... Besides his mother poisoning his mind from birth, what sort of 
ill will did he have towards Arthur? It's not like Arthur raped his mother. She straddled his ass and wanted to have a fucking kid. She wanted to birth a god, and so she so she said. And said she but got why? It. Yeah, and said so she got the. Mama, hey mama, I'm gonna be king, mama. <laughs> but it's yeah, he had no point to raise an army and fucking cause the bullshit. It was just he did. greed and stupidity, and he was not a guy. He's just a stupid kid who got all this coming to him. Papa spank, well, <laughs> more like. Papa and pale. <laughs> pa- Papa fucking more badass than you, retard. Bam. Take that in the heart. Oh, that was sick. That was awesome. You yeah, gotta got see but, that. But that, I still think that was what he did was kind of stupid, though. He just ran right into it. That was just kind of like, he could have just fucked it in, cut his head in there. No, I like how they did it. It was kind of like... Uh, he knew his time was up. It reminded me, obviously, the scene in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Aragorn. Put you know he's like just pulling the sword into his chest and like growls in his face, except yeah. fucking Arthur pulls the spear deeper through his chest just so he can get within arm's reach to stab him with Excalibur. There was you know? another movie where that happened where it, it was literally the guy was stabbed and he did that just to, to save the movie was that I'm trying to think of what movie was, was where the where the guy was um, guys impaled he's pulling it and the guy's like oh is he doing that. It wasn't Highlander, was it? No, it wasn't Highlander. It was. Mm, no, I really don't know. If you know the movie we speak of, please email us. <laughs> Let us know how many how many movies there are where somebody gets stabbed and actually pulls the 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 stabbing the utensil deeper so that he can achieve some sort of goal. Let us know. Yes, there has to be one which we're thinking of, but. Oh, did we talk about the music at all, just briefly, I guess? Uh, no, we didn't, actually. The music is a lot of Wagner. A lot of Wagner. Yeah, you know it. It's a lot of Wagner. It's a, it's, it's a, I think it'd be any socialist, neo, national socialist would love this music. I know a lot of the German listeners are like, We will be hating you now! You fucking son of a bitch! You do not fucking talk about Gute Zermangerung in such a negative manner. And Carl Olaf's of Fortuna. But yeah, it has Carmen and Barana, that's the fucking. That's what the theme song is. Yeah. yeah. Which but playing in the background right now. It could have been, it could, like, the music could have been a lot worse. Similar period pieces of the early 80s used. A lot shittier music. Or it could this. have been the complete reverse, like in, well, we'll get to Night's Tale with the good and bad with that, but the fact that they use contemporary music, imagine this film with, uh, and I run, <laughs> I run so far away, or, and I'm hungry like no wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awful. Could you imagine that? Like, late 70s fucking... Oh, that's shit. Like, I mean, God, like, what else was out like in 1980? You know what I'm saying? Like, fucking rock and roll and disco. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you give this film, Excalibur? Uh, we're at that, that time again, eh? Yes. To give our favorite ratings. Um, let's see. Okay, I've given it a lot of thought. I'm gonna have to give it. Borrow from a friend and do not return unless tempted, provoked, 
Or just you ask Merlin to summon forth the dragon and deliver it to you. But in return, Merlin must ask you to look over the counter for a moment and ignore any feelings you have in the... Just grab your ankles and pray to God <laughs> that Merlin finishes quick. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, I'd have to give it our, our fourth highest rating. You know what? It's a long movie, but they covered a lot of fucking ground. They did it in a coherent manner. Lots of shit happened. The fucking battles were amazing. Like, there's actually scenes where the extras in night costumes are smashing the shit out of each other, and you can see it. They're pushing each other. They got maces, and they're bashing shields, and when the shields are missed, they go right into the guy's back or chest or, you know, whatever. It was it's really good. I like it. It's dark. You know, some minor stuff keeps it from being great, like the ADR, the shitty mono, etc., etc., um, Definitely. Well, I'm kind of wavering. I'm wavering in between Bar from a Friend and Worth Watching in Theaters once because there are a couple of things that were... It was a little bit... The scenes that dragged, even though they were short, they dragged. It, they made the movie feel like instead of 140 minutes to like 390 minutes. And But, I mean, you did have quality scenes, like the man we dubbed Pierre. <laughs> Poor Pierre, man. Like, he's literally... He's like... Dun, dun, dun. Like he has, there's like three dozen knights bashing the shit out of each other. This dude walks on in overalls and fucking like a, a mud stained shirt, and he's just like, ha! And I don't even know. Did he, he? I think he had like a little sickle. He might have actually been going to prune the hedges or something, but he, he gets slice in the chest with a battle axe in about two seconds. His face is priceless. We'll, we'll, we'll do a screen grab. I think grab that he's going to be he's going to be our motivational poster for this episode. <laughs> I think so. It's either Pierre or it's the other scene we saw afterwards. <laughs> oh, I'd say make a couple because there's quite a few fucking good good grabs. I think that for the for this month we're going to do multiple multiple screen grabs just because of the enormity of the situation. <laughs> just because there's like. 140 minutes to cover, so we gotta have true, more true. than one post. So I think that, yeah, I think I'm gonna, well, but besides that, some of the things, the acting was alright. Some of the actors were stellar. Some of the actors, I mean, like, Arthur as a kid, I understand, yeah, he's an older guy who has to play a little kid, but I really want to just reach in the TV and crack him up the side of the head and be like, act like a fucking adult. And well, he, he matures over time. No, right? when he's an adult, see... he is awesome. Yeah. But when he's playing the kid, I mean, I would have just said, hire a kid. Give him 50 bucks. So you just 50. didn't like him pretending to be a kid? Is yeah, that, that, that kind of just, it just kind of took it away from me just a little bit. So. All right, what about the raven pecking out the eyeball of the, the corpse? That all right. was awesome. Okay, all right, all right. You can, all right, all right. I will go with my, I'll go with Bar from a friend. All right. I'll give it, I'll give it Bar from a friend conditionally. The scenes that are awesome, you get a bar from a friend. The scenes that are garbage are going to be worth watching in theaters once. Or in DVD once. We could settle that. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, yes, so now we're done with this insanely long movie. It was insanely long, much like our podcast. Actually, our podcast right on par with our normal length. Yep, it is. That's it was good. Our... We covered a lot of ground. Yep, and I uh, guess, well, remember... You could Check us out at www.spirekin.com. You can email us at spirekin at gmail.com or zan at spirekin.com. Or deke.spirekin at gmail.com. You can also 
listen to our earlier episodes on the feed under on iTunes, and you can check out all the other information on our show notes. Or call us at 206-250-8462. Now, I guess that part we will wait for, and as Conan said in the beginning in our disclaimer, since this is the first of our theme months, we have a new rule for our theme months, which is we're not going to have the co-host choice, host choice, or... Roll, roll again. again. Which, on the one hand, is really good, but on the other hand, could be really bad. We're just going to load the dodecahedron up with fucking more movies than we've ever done. Yes, but don't worry, we're not going to do this all the time. This is only for just, our theme month. Just a theme month. Yes. And the other time, and there are some bad movies here, mind you. Some very bad movies. I'm dreading some movies. I'm dreading. What, number two? <laughs> Uh, Has it I would say I don't know. Number five is going to be all sorts of awful. I really hope to it. Had, it has. It's a pretty good movie, but uh, no, I'm dreading. I'm dreading this one. I'm dreading number twelve. <laughs> eh, yeah. <laughs> number twelve. Number. Oh, Ally McBeal. Yeah, well, we'll see. So let us roll and see what we're getting in the next episode of the Spyrokin. Well. Sparkin movie review. Rolling the Dodecahedron movies. I know we didn't do our oh, typical... Good. Well, actually, no. So, for, so, before we roll, we should tell you about our, the one, the only, the Dodecahedron of movies. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, the dodecahedron of movies. Now, what is the dodecahedron? It is a 12-sided dice. And like we said, we've loaded all 12 of them with, well, different movies. Each one has a film, and we're going to roll, and when number lands, I don't, that's what we're reviewing in the next episode of the Spark movie. So let us roll and see what's going to happen. Number 12. The 12? <laughs> 12, unfortunately. Yeah, so for the next episode of the Spark and Movie Review, and the next, our second installment of the month of Sword Sorcery and Shirtless Sweaty Guys, we're going to be reviewing a movie which, well. Uh, it stars uh, Peter McNichol, a.k.a. Hey, Vigo! And also a girl who looks like a guy. And they, she surprisingly convinces a bunch of guys that she's a guy. And. Who's the, the 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 father figure in the movie? The, the wizard. Yeah, I uh, some guy. Well, I I always had this memory that it was Sean Connery, but no, no, it's, it's not him. No, it's not. That's that's Dragonheart. Dragonheart. Oh, I, I always get these two mixed up. And the movie we're talking about is Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. <sighs> so next episode. So actually, how are we gonna do? Okay, so now we got Dragon Slayer. We're gonna keep. I say we're keeping this list right because it's a solid list. Well, we're taking out Dragon Slayer, and then we're so going to import the other one. Maybe we'll just put a re-roll on the... Uh... No, 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 no. We're going to insert the other movie I didn't put in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because we have, we have like, four other movies I didn't put in there, so okay, we got to right. load so, those up. Okay. But either way, I guess that's it. We It's 115 minutes since we started this podcast. That's with a the, lot of minutes. He's on a That's what I feel like. I feel like uh, that scene in uh, Evil Dead 2 and... Um, the sun is like setting when he when he comes to the bridge and he realizes that he can't escape, and then like the sun just sets really fast and he's just like ah. I feel like dun 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 is playing and that happened and it's been hours. Yes, it has. This episode is long, like the movie was long, and so without further ado, this has been your co-host Deke.
this is your host, Zan, and my favorite quote from Excalibur is... So I know, catch I you guys it. next time, and we are Gonsville. Check out the website and stay tuned for a Mongery episode. Yes. Later, Have a good guys. night. Peace. Later, guys. Bye.
Are you just a dream, Merlin? A dream to some. A nightmare to others! <laughs> 